Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. Hello and welcome to Fulhamish Extra, your extra slice of Fulham FC content. My name is Sammy James. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. And on this episode, we're going to be previewing Saturday's trip to the King Power Stadium to face Leicester City. It's, uh, well, Scott Parker's second game in charge and Brendan Rodgers' second game in charge as well. So a uh, nice little stat for you there. Uh, and joining me on the podcast to discuss all things Foxes is Don Betts. Hello, hello. Guy Barlow. Hi. And a man who's a lot about uh, foxes is Drew Heatley. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I don't really know what Hello. I mean by that. <laughs> I'll take it. Why not? Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're travelling up to the KP on Saturday. Uh, we're going to be speaking to Pete Selby of the For Fox Sake podcast uh, about everything that's going on there this season. It's been a pretty eventful one up there uh, for, for lots of reasons. Uh, just to say this season, Fulhamish is backed by Labricks for exclusive specials and promotions. Head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk. Uh, Guy, it's been, as I say, an eventful season at Leicester. They've gone for a, a change of manager. They might feel like they're in a little bit of a crisis, but my God, what I'd do to swap their crisis for ours. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, um, a lot of them made is that Brendan Rodgers is a good fit for Leicester and vice versa. Uh, yeah, obviously, the poor start against Watford, but Watford are a good, solid team. You know, hard to beat away from home. Uh, and literally lost in the 92nd minute yeah. as well. And otherwise, everyone's coming away from that saying, oh, that's a valiant point at a tough Premier League ground. Yeah, and um, I mean, I don't think we've got that good a record at Leicester we, we probably haven't played them that much but I, I, I'm, I mainly based that on the on the League Cup game which you yeah, I've been, yeah I've been to Leicester three times twice Fulham once for England I, was, I, haven't, I haven't seen us play away in the league yet I went there to the, to the FA Cup one when Montella scored and then obviously when we lost 4-3 in 13-14 in, in mm. so it's going to be my first league because I'm trying to think when our last league season with, with Leicester would have been I think I know the answer yeah, to this it's Collins John isn't it yeah it's, it's Collins John's first game and we won 2-0 in uh, 03-04 so it's a long time since we've played uh, a league game up there because of course when we went down initially to the Premier League was when Leicester came up so it was kind of like sliding sliding mirrors kind of moments where, where you kind of pass them on the way down um, and you don't get to play them um, all that much uh, Dom did you enjoy uh, all of the uh, all of the chat about uh, Brendan Rodgers is going and uh, Celtic fans uh, losing oh, their be- minds? It was, it was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Did anyone see Celtic Twitter after Watford scored the late winner oh, on no. uh, on Sunday? Basically, all of Celtic now support Watford. <laughs> wow! And uh, everyone was saying, "Oh, Watford have always been my uh, my team south of Celtic <laughs> and, and 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 all of this stuff." It's a it's a it's a baffling move. Like it should have it should have been the move that happened in the summer, maybe. But two things: one, you can say what you want about the SPL, but like going from Celtic to Leicester in February or March is just quite a weird a weird thing to happen. And it's you know it's a, it's another strange chapter in what's been a, an odd season for Leicester for for tragic and for other reasons. So it's just it's just weird, and it's, it makes it a difficult uh, game to prepare for. I'd imagine, uh, and much like for uh, Brendan Rodgers, it'll be pretty difficult for him for Leicester to prepare but for us. It's not a step down. 
there isn't there's not an argument this is a step down because yes they're yes they're yes they're a bigger club but let's say Leicester were to get seventh he can achieve I reckon he can do better with Leicester in Europa League than he can with Celtic like when he's since he's coming in so yes he's won every single trophy pretty much possible but in in Europe when that's basically what Celtic season is based around they haven't improved him once he when he when he came in. So, you know, and isn't it stupid to that that he's lost every single of his opening manager games in, in England? Like when, he's, when he started what's as a manager. Re- what's his record in second games? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that'd, be nice, that'd be nice to know as well. But yeah, Brendan Rodgers, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think he's I think he's an okay manager. I don't think... I think he is, that is sort of his level, though, I'd say. You know, taking a team in the top half and making sort of challenge for European places. But yeah, it'll be, it'll be, inter- it'll be interesting to see and it'll be interesting to see if there's any sort of banter from the Fulham Nest fans with them singing Ranieri's name or something stupid like that oh yeah of course well Ranieri was only a couple of games away from going back to uh, his old ground he obviously got to face them in one of his opening games when he was uh, appointed as as Fulham manager and, and it was an interesting game and a game I look back at Guy it was a 1-1 draw and Madison scored quite late uh, for Leicester to, to rescue a point and it was one of those that I look back on and think where, when you're looking at where this season was was won and lost, where actually where were the points that went missing that could have potentially maybe not saved us, but at least made it competitive for the past few months of the season? That's two points right there that were just on the table that we just we just frittered away through a, a momentary lapse in comp- comp- uh, concentration. Yeah, you're right. It, it was the that run of home games before Christmas, wasn't it? Because we were always looking at these ones we were com- coming up in March. Um, but yeah, the uh, the Wolves game as well, where we took the leads. Um, I don't know, home and away, we've taken the leads so many times this season. Burnley just springs to mind. Um, there are other, you know. Examples. Well, there was a run of five games in December, wasn't there? It was Leicester and it was West Ham. I think Southampton was one of them, and there was Wolves and there was Huddersfield, and we did win a few of them, but. It was those Leicester and West Ham games, I think, mm. particularly, and also where we just we rolled over. Yeah, and like losing at home to Bournemouth, I think that might be their last away win. Like, yeah, you know, that's just embarrassing, really. But there there are just points that slip away from you, as you said, and that's how you get relegated. And you know, it's it's the oldest cliche: the league table doesn't lie, and you deserve to be where you deserve to be, and we deserve to be nineteenth. Looking at Leicester's side, um, Drew, I mean, it's still kind of got a little bit of the backbone from the title winning season you've still got Kasper Schmeichel in goal uh, Wes Morgan is it pre- plays most games um, at centre back and then you've still got Jamie Vardy and, and Mark Albrighton um, up front and on the wing respectively and then throughout the side there's a smattering of new players mostly filled with quality you look at Ndidi and Mendy that's a pretty solid uh, double pivot in midfield Ben Chilwell is an England international as is Harry Maguire we know what he did in the World Cup and uh, Damari Gray was there during the title winning season but didn't really have too much of an impact because he was quite young when he came in during that season so look, it's, it's a talented talented squad I haven't even mentioned Pereira on the right wing uh, on the right side of defence yeah they're in a, I feel like they're Rogers is coming in at a time of sort of transition, but it's been, it's a transition that's been happening for the last year or so and is actually going fairly well. You look at uh, you know Leicester's fullbacks, it's Chilwell and Pereira, isn't it? And you know they've been both uh, assisting quite a few goals this season. I mean, how jealous are you of that for a start? Uh, yeah, Vardy, you got to think he's still so dangerous, but he's got to be coming to the end of his pomp. So you know. I don't suspect for one minute it'll be out in the summer, but I think that's something that Brendan Rodgers is going to have to figure out how to replace him at some point. 
Morgan's getting to the point where you know that you know you can get a mistake out of him or even uh, a rash challenge to get him self sent off. Um, but yeah, they're 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 at the middle of this sort of shedding the the old guard from that astonishing Premier League win and replacing them with uh, younger, hungrier players like Madison, who's had a great season, all told, really, especially when you look at the way that Sess has struggled to adapt to the Premier League at times. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're doing all right. And actually, you know, Rogers has probably looked at that. He's obviously had the chats with the owners and thought, you know, I'm going to, I've probably got a good chance to to build something quite good here to create a team that might challenge for the Champions League and I don't think for us as uh, as Fulham uh, it's going to be real difficult I don't think we can expect to go there and take anything from it really but you know you're thinking okay we're out of the home run of home games we've got a brief respite from those home games against the top six top four but I don't think this is any any easier by any stretch of the imagination not least because we can't win away from home to, to for love nor money yeah, I think you know. I think I understand why Leicester fans were getting fed up with Claude Puel because if you look at if you look at their squad, though, them and Everton should were the teams you'd expect to be fighting for that seventh place. They're in twelfth, and you know they're they're not they're not really competing. You know, they're like I know, you know, you look you look at a team like Watford who I think might actually get that seventh place, and you know that's that's what they expect to see. I think they found Puel's football quite passive, quite boring. You know, I, I think it it was also a, a style and philosophy type thing when it came to them as well. So. You know, I think they were right to be angry at Capuel, but one thing he did do is actually obviously bring through quite a lot of their young players. But yeah, it's not going to be an easy game. Obviously, it'll be Brendan Rodgers' first game at um, the King Power, so it'll be it'll be a very very tough game. But you know, I think one thing that we're going for us is I think we've acknowledged we're going down now, so it's them just fighting for some pride. And you might see it'll, they'll be less worried, I guess, going into the game. And I think it could be a very interesting game because both teams obviously want to count attack the other. So I think it could be a very, very interesting game, and it could be a high-scoring one. Well, the interesting thing I think with Leicester is I still believe that the t- the way they went out of both cups would have been what upset me most as a Leicester fan. They took, I think, did they take Man City to penalties? In yeah, the ca- in, the in the Carabao, Carabao Cup. Yeah, in the Carabao Cup, and that was through playing a second string or you know very well rested uh, 11 and you just wonder well if you were able to take Man City to penalties without Jamie Vardy and some and James Madison and some of your better players imagine if you'd have played them you actually could have knocked out the eventual winners out of the Carabao Cup and they'd have been in a really really strong position to to, to progress particularly um, with Burton who would have they who they would have faced in the uh, semi-finals and then the FA Cup okay it was the third round they were a long way from winning it but to go to Newport and make changes and again they only narrowly lost at Newport and you just wonder with a little bit more quality on the pitch it's a difficult place to go to Rodney Parade and even Man City struggled for, for parts of that but actually they just had a bit of quality they probably would have got past a League 2 side and that's what an- would have annoyed me most particularly as a side that you know okay we're fighting relegation this season cups were not our priority in, in any way shape or form but had we been in a similar position to Leicester, that would have that would have infuriated me. Well, yeah. If, well, what is the point in their season? I, I've said I've, I've said this time and time again. Is you know, if you aren't with the top six in the Premier League, what else is there to re- what is there to achieve in the league? Realistically, maybe getting seventh to secure Europa League football. Maybe you know the cups is where is how you want to define your success. And you look at you look at the th- some of the teams in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. You've got Palace, you've got Millwall, you've got. Brighton, Brighton Br- are in the- Brighton, Watford. You know these teams who are Man United are the only top 
What, yeah. Top six side? We, we, City. Oh, City, City as well. Yeah. City United are only top six sides, and that's only two out of, out of eight teams. So yeah. it is a missed opportunity for them. And you know, it's never cup. Anything, anything can happen. And I think you know, if again, it's just sort of if you don't achieve anything, you don't win anything, or you don't go to get to a final, or you don't finish seventh. Do you really remember the season? Like, let's say you say, I don't know, eleven, twelve. Fulham do you remember anything no because nothing happened in that season you remember the great escape so much you remember 0-9-10 quite a lot and obviously what year was it when we got the FA Cup semi-final you remember those years because something happened in that season what have Leicester got to remember well particularly when after this year, three or four years after winning the Premier League, you know, when Fulham finished seventh under Roy Hodgson, I remember it because it was a particularly remarkable season. It was our record finish, so I do remember once finishing seventh. But you no, know, you, I, you when you won the Premier League a few years ago, finishing seventh isn't that amazing. No, um, but I, I, I just want a quick question. I don't know. Like, do you reckon we would have done that? Do you reckon we would have sacked our manager mid-table in February, no matter how? I'd say under our fire, do you reckon we could have ever done that, what Leicester have done? Never. I can't see that ever happening. And, 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 for, and for a time, we were what Leicester are, you know, a mid-table, solid mid-table Premier League team. I think the only time we ever really sacked managers was when we were on the brink of, of a relegation. I think maybe Chris Coleman was the closest we came to a Kerbishley moment and we maybe got rid of him when there was actually not all that much danger yeah. That season, and you know, Lawrence yeah. Sanchez bumbled his way to one win and managed to keep us up. Um, but you know, it was pretty particularly that there was a lot of players, people that wanted Chris Coleman out at that at that time. It was quite a big movement. But anyway, away from the point. Yeah, I don't think that Fulham ever would do that. Um, let's just have a look at the starting lineup that you'd like to see uh, on Saturday. We don't exactly know what's uh, happening in terms of uh, fitness or anything like that at the moment, so let's presume it, it, it's just the same. For me, same 11 please, Scotty. I don't know if uh, that is echoed around. Yeah, I don't, I don't see what else there is to change, unless Mawson's somehow fit, but I don't think he will be, because I think the last thing Ranieri said, apart from saying everyone's available when they weren't available, because you know, Betts was literally having surgery, probably. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, same 11. I mean, when Mawson comes back, I think he should be put back in, but if he's not fit, don't bring him. But oh, one point we, we didn't actually mention it on Monday's pod was, I thought Floyd Aito, actually off the bench, was was a good option actually. Mm. I thought you know he was. I think he's been underused this season. I think he, he's 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 very. I think he's actually better suited to the prem than he is actually the championship. But yeah, I would start. I would start with the same team. I don't see the need to change anything. I mean, you know, it it, it worked well against Chelsea. Yes, we didn't get the points. We were creating chances. We had we had we had plenty of possession, especially in that second half. So yeah, I don't see any reason why we do, do need to change it. Yeah, I agree. Particularly on the Mawson point, I, it's not something that I've seen elaborated on that much. You know that. Just how big a miss what, what was he for these last you know two months? Because we kept a clean sheet away in Newcastle, and then did well the following game at Boxing Day with him, and then you and then he's been out ever since. You know, like it's it's another if, but, and maybe of this season. The fact that our twenty million pound centre defender hasn't been fit. We haven't not conceded uh, two goals ever since he got injured. There, there you go. go. We've That's conceded that. two or more goals in every game, including the cup against Oldham. Since he was, yeah. since he was well, injured, well, so I'm know. not saying. He, uh, I mean, we, there was a lot of games we conceded two goals with him in the side, but still, it, it, it just says. Yeah, but just, I just, but just for, just for he got injured, our defense did look a lot better. Yeah. If you look, if you look at the game against Newcastle, the game was, I presume, he played. Yeah, because he, he, um, he played against Wolves, and you know, yes, w- yes, we draw that game, but def- we looked a lot stronger defensively. And as soon as he's come back out, we just look. All, we look like it's, a, it's just a championship defence playing, whereas I feel like Mawson brought some form of Premier League quality into the side. Here, um, we'll be here with class next year. 
<laughs> yeah, he will, and uh, he's definitely not going to be getting a move after two successive relegations on uh, on his CV. Drew, is it uh, same eleven for you? Yeah, same eleven for me. Uh, the official site mentioned that Barbel came off because he uh, couldn't continue, quote unquote. So, uh, if that's the case, then Aito bring him in um, from the start. But uh, other than that, no changes. The only one for me would be potentially Maxime Lamarchon instead of Tim Ream, because I'm as much as I love Tim, I still don't think that he is. Um, the standard for this level and I think that Maxime Lamarchon can do a job at left centre-back but he's the only small doubt in my mind as to whether and I, and I just don't see it happening and I think Tim Ream does have other qualities again similar thing that we were talking about on Monday the mentality thing and I think Tim Ream does have a, a good mentality in it and his lights in the squad and has a presence on the field and I don't think Maxime quite has the same thing. Anyway, uh, let's get a view from the opposition. Uh, I spoke to Pete Selby of the For Fox Sake podcast, which is quite a new Leicester City podcast, which is uh, doing some good growth actually at the moment. So if you do have any Leicester friends or family, make sure they uh, go and check that out. Uh, I started off by asking Pete what he's made of Brendan Rodgers' arrival at the King Power Stadium. It's very, very exciting. It's uh, the first time that Leicester really have been the club who have uh, purchased a player and or a manager and have been associated as being uh, kind of greedy and, and, and kind of the club with all the money and, and buying a player who or a manager who, um, I'm not saying didn't want to necessarily leave, but there's been a lot of fan backlash. Normally it's the other way around. Amato O'Neill went to Celtic in 2000. Heskey, say, went to Liverpool. They, we, we completely understand because we are the size of the club as we are, a bit like Fulham in a way. Um, and we've had an, an awful lot of backlash from Celtic fans, a lot of it complete nonsense, um, which has been very entertaining. And um, But we've got pretty much the best manager that we could have got. Um, looking forward to next season. This season automatically is a write-off, so it's just a case of Rogers seeing what he can do. But it's extremely exciting. Rogers or Benitez was every single Leicester fan's wish list. They've gone and got Rogers. A huge tick in the book for the club, a huge tick next to Top, who's now the chairman. Uh, they've paid the money, they're going to give them a lot of money, so it's exciting times. Everyone has their level and everyone has their expectations and everyone has their ambitions. And because of the title winning season, um, Leicester's expectations have changed. But there'll be many a Fulham fan listening to this right now wishing nothing more that we'd have had a season like yours you're 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 comfortable you've had big wins over big clubs you know you went to uh Stamford Bridge got a win there got a win over Man City I mean it's a kind of season that Fulham would have dreamt of and yet many will say uh, Leicester fans a bit guilty of being greedy um in wishing Claw Powell uh, to go. So, so what would you say to maybe fans of other clubs who questioned Leicester fans' motives for wanting rid of Claude Puel? First of all, I, I would, um, I, in my opinion, I could easily see why that would be the case from a fan of another club looking in at, at Leicester. I, uh, 100% I can understand why that point of view is, is there. The one thing I will definitely disagree with, um, and believe me, this, this is this is not just me saying this, Leicester fans, really, their their attitude hasn't gone through the roof because of the league-winning season. It seems quite far away now. Um, we don't expect to be in the top six, top four, win the league. It happened, and because of the turnover of players and managers since, it does now seem to be quite distant. Um, Claude Powell, 
unfortunately for him, there was no relationship between himself and the fans. Very hard to like in terms of the language barrier, which unfortunately does make a difference. I know with, with players and players coming in from around the world, sometimes it's not, but just the, the, the understanding with fans, it was very difficult to, to take Claude to heart. And I think he was immensely respected by all Leicester fans. Of course, what happened in October, um, he handled himself very well. He, he always came across as a very nice chap and he's gave a lot of youngsters their breakthrough. There was no... Um, uh, split in the squad, for example, play, you know, players who are with him or players who are against him. No, because the majority of players there have been given their chance by Claude Powell. And he always, again, came across as a nice guy, but the change needed to happen. There were some terrible results this season. Um, and the home form in particular, the home form has been the basis of Leicester's success, not just the title winning season, but you go back prior to that, league, winning the uh, championship, even winning League One, the, the home form at the King Power has been fantastic for um, nigh on a decade really now. And the home form has just wilted terribly. And I could understand why people think we've got slightly above our station. That's generally not the case. It needed to happen. It happened at the right time. And if you go back even further, I can understand why some people look at Leicester and go, they don't kind of give their managers a chance. Every single sacking I have not only agreed with, but the time has been uh, pretty much bang on. You go back to Ranieri, um, I would have sacked him two weeks prior to when he left Leicester. Uh, I know it was kind of like shooting Bambi, but you know it's, 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 uh, it had to happen. We were going to go down. Shakespeare, the same. Uh, he had to be given the role after his success. And then Claude, exactly the same. And you look at the upgrade we've got now with Rodgers, it's chalk and cheese. Uh, if we went to the end of the season with no manager and it started to spiral out of control, you could say, you know, what were the plans behind the scenes? They've got rid of Puel and brought in Brendan Rodgers. Um, I think 99.9% .9 of fans can understand that's an upgrade. Uh, so talk me through the current Leicester team. There are the kind of tried and trusted faces that we all know from that famous season. The spine of the team is is kind of still there, but it's it's a new age of Leicester, and there is new faces who have improved this uh, Leicester team. In particular, I quite like the base of your midfield with Mendy and Ndidi. Seems like you've got some real steel there, and of course James Madison, who we are very aware of because he played a against us for numerous seasons in the championship for Norwich City and, and he's come to Leicester and he's been a real hit. So maybe just uh, talk us uh, through your team. If you want to know how Leicester are playing in the team that we are, the game at the weekend that we've just lost on TV to against um, what, against uh, Watford was the prime example of what, where Leicester are. Very poor in the first 10 minutes. There's a bit of a soft underbelly to the team that we haven't had in the last five or six years, namely because we've had uh, a lot of youngsters being put in the side, which you'll associate with a young team, um, in and out performances, uh, maybe quite easy to get at, but then in flashes they are brilliant, and then maybe possibly even tiring late on and elapsing concentration, which happened on uh, on Sunday. We've got still got the spine of the side. You'd have Wes Morgan still in the side and Harry Maguire obviously next to him. Uh, Johnny Evans, so experienced, good centre-halves. Cash Michael still in goal. Vardy is still razor-sharp up front, a fantastic icon of the club um, who's still banging in the goals. But the midfield is, is, is really the interesting area. A lot of youngsters, three players behind Jamie Vardy, Madison you mentioned, Damari Gray, and uh, also now Harvey Barnes, who was exceptional on loan at West Brom and he was brought back. And out of those players, 
Yes, Madison, you know all about, and these in patches look decent, but Harvey Barnes really is the one you'd expect to really kick on and, and get England on as in the not-too-distant future. A very exciting, direct running player. Um, there's a bit of physicality about him, which you don't have with the likes of Damari Gray, who I've always said does flatter to deceive. And then behind them, Yuri Tillemans, a loan signing from Monaco. Might cost about £40 million to get uh, a really good forward-thinking, good passer, uh, all-round midfielder. Next to him will be Ndidi, uh, who's the better of the two compared to Mendy. But again, both decent City midfielders. But they're just lacking that bit of uh, bit of grit, really, in midfield. Uh, but out of all them, it would be Harvey Barnes and especially Yuri Tillemans to, to really watch out for. And what were the changes that Rogers made in the last game? Was anything particularly noticeable that he did different um, for, from his time under Claude Puel, or is he is he not rotating too much and just trying to learn his way around this squad? Um, it's quite easy actually with uh, with Claude's teams because he played the same formation and the same system all the time. So to pick the changes that. Rogers made was, was very easy. First of all, he went to a back three, which we've been saying on for Fox 8 for probably about two years now that Leicester should apply. We know how well Maguire played for England in a back three in the World Cup. Um, and you can easily bring Wes Morgan in the centre with Evans on the other side. Um, and he did that. So he brought him in, two players behind Vardy, who were uh, Madison and Barnes. They can switch and chop around. And then your midfield is pretty much as it was. Wing-back situation at Leicester. We've got two very attacking full-backs. Ben Chilwell, you all know from England, and uh, Ricardo Pereira, who's been tremendous. A brilliant signing. Uh, 20, £25 million. Pounds, attacking right-back. Uh, a really good jump on him. A good leap. And he's... When you sign a £25 million pound fullback, you, you, know, you do have your uh, question marks defensively. And at the start of the season, got caught out occasionally, but uh, has really progressed and looks a top, top player. Um, so we do have two out-and-out wing-backs, and that's the formation he's changed to. Um, the one thing I would say is that with the game coming up against yourselves at the KP, I wouldn't be surprised if it all changes again. The likes of Iniacho, who's been desperately poor this season, he could even change the formation again and bring in different personnel all over the place. Who knows? Because he's got a free realm to the end of the season. They're not going to go down. They're not going to get uh, in the top six or seven. So it could all change, but he's automatically gone with a back three. What's your opinion then on Claudio? Of course, uh, this time last week, uh, he was dismissed from his role uh, as as Fulham manager. He wasn't popular with the Fulham fans at all. He started okay, but really ever since the new year, I mean, we've conceded more than two goals in every single game since the start of uh, 2019. Our record speaks for itself. And we never developed a connection with, with Claudio Ranieri. And, and he came in and we thought he was this real PR savvy manager who had great charisma. And I really expected him to build a bond between uh, himself and the fans. And I really expected some more defensive solidity. Neither of those we saw. And of course, Leicester fans have a, have a strange relationship thinking back about Claudio. He brought your greatest ever achievement. It's unlikely to ever be eclipsed. But of course, that second season, and it all transpired out of control. And as you said, you'd have actually got rid of him two weeks before. So so what did you make of Ranieri's time back at Fulham and, and the disaster that's unfolded under his stewardship? I'm just disappointed he's not in charge for the game on Saturday because he'd have got the biggest of 
biggest receptions that you've ever you've ever seen in your life. He was obviously here in October for for terrible reasons, but um, the guy's an absolute walking hero. You know, he he could walk into any pub, house, whatever in Leicestershire, and he'll get whatever he wants. The guy's a hero, even though it turned sour towards the end of his realm. There was no shouts from the crowd. Um, there was no shouts for him to be. There were people like myself saying it in private and on podcasts, but there was no blame at Ranieri's door. There was no uh, cries from the crowd. There were no songs or banners. Absolutely nothing of the such. It couldn't happen. You know, the, uh, the guy's uh, a, a, a hero, but um, it obviously went wrong at, at Fulham. It'll be interesting in time to see whether um, it was just purely because of the players and the squad that they've got um, rather than Claudio. Uh, the one thing I will say, and I agree with you on these defensive aspects of the side that was the the, the thing that kind of got me I, I was surprised that he didn't solidify the defense and also i was very surprised with the business that they did uh, that he did in january i fully expected lots of cahill even drink water because i know it's an easy link but i expected some some experience being brought into that side in the defense uh, even players from leicester who could come in I thought that would have been the case. Um, it wasn't, and then it just looked to, uh, you know, it was a sinking ship from then on, uh, which unfortunately with Ranieri, the one thing is throughout his career, when it's kind of gone wrong, he, he can't write it going wrong. He, he can ride the crest of a wave very well, but when it starts to go a bit pear-shaped, uh, he can't turn that around. And I was just surprised with his lack of defensive cover uh, in January, which ultimately really has cost him. Indeed. So uh, you say that lots of teams have had success at, at the King Power this year and uh, one of our, well, it's hard to call them relegation rivals when you're 10 points behind, but so-called relegation rivals. Cardiff uh, went to the KP not too long ago and got a huge, huge win, which was uh, massive for them at the time. So clearly sides of our kind of calibre have come to the KP this season uh, and got a result. What kind of strategy often works best against Leicester in terms of teams setting up and uh, and enables them to to be likely to to get a result uh, all you've got to do is sit back sit back and let Leicester have the ball because um, up until now depending on what happens with Rodgers we've had an awful lot of possession but with little idea of actually what to do with it um, we've been playing Mendy and Ndidi in midfield as a midfield too before Termans arrived and as much as they're both decent players there's not a lot of creativity there, and the creativity has come generally from Maguire stepping out of the back with the ball. Uh, Madison, it's all very well having Madison in the side, but if he's having to do all of the work with a team sitting back, they can easily snuff him out. Uh, also, there's no room for Jamie Vardy in behind, and those games that we've been losing, uh, the prime example will be the Cardiff game. It, never in a million years did we look like winning the game. We had one or two chances, but it, it we didn't really do enough to get the points. And then, of course, it was a 30-yard screamer um, that won the game. And that's happened a number of times this season. Uh, we've had dramatic downturns against the likes of Palace, etc. But um, sit back. The Leicester crowd will eventually get on their teams back because after half an hour, they've not created a single chance but had a lot of the ball. I don't know whether that will happen this time around. It would be interesting with Rogers. obviously. The, the crowd will be behind them and they might be a bit quicker. You'd hope so. So... If this was two weeks ago, I would say sit back and soak up the pressure and then you can hit Leicester on the break. If you come at Leicester, we've still got the ability to counterattack very well 
and uh, now with Tillemans in the side, we can pick a pass, and you wouldn't hardly want anyone else on the side apart from Jamie Vardy on the counter. So coming at Leicester could be almost a, a bad ploy for uh, Fulham this Saturday. The one thing I will say, though, is because it's all changed now with Rodgers, more than having Parker in charge at Fulham for me, I think the big thing is Rodgers being in charge at Leicester, whether it just almost turns into a bit of a bit of a storm, a, a perfect storm, unfortunately, for Fulham, where if, if they come at Leicester, then Leicester will break and, and hit them and hurt them. But then if they sit back, this new Leicester might hurt them anyway. So it could just be a difficult situation for Fulham. Uh, we realised on the podcast um, that Fulham haven't played away at Leicester in the league since 2004, would you believe? We've played a couple of times uh, in the Cup, I think once maybe in the FA Cup and once in the League Cup, but but never uh, in the Premier League uh, for, for, what, for nearly 15 years, which is quite incredible. So um, for, the, uh, for the few thousand fans that are heading up to Leicester on Saturday, uh, what would you recommend? Where would you recommend drinking before the game and... Uh, any anything about the match day experience that you would highlight? Yeah, Fulham had a really good period in the 2000s when Leicester went really downhill. During our worst period, you you had a, a very good period, and that's why we've kind of missed each other really. But uh, it's um, I mean the King Tower. It's one of those grounds where it's, people call them a bowl, etc. But there's been a lot of work done at Leicester over the years, a lot of investment by King Power, and uh, there's going to be plans released where they're going to build on top of one of the stands, 45,000, and there's an indoor arena being built next door. All sorts is kicking off at the club. It's it's unbelievable, quite the infrastructure that's being put in. Um, but for fans who have never been to Leicester before, if you're coming on a train, it's nice and easy. It's about a 20-minute walk to the King Power. You walk past Welford Road, home of uh, Leicester Tigers Rugby Club, huge, big stand there in their ground and it's uh, it's quite a nice little walk down you see a lot of the history and a lot of um a lot of the sporting aspects you can see the uh, cricket ground as well it's uh, it's all in one place and there's plenty of bars the one thing is and i presume you get this on a lot of podcasts etc um it's fallen a nice club nice fans Leicester it would be a quite a, a relaxed atmosphere with rogers in charge and to be perfectly honest one or two pubs on the way from the train station to the ground and there's literally only one real way to get there if you're going to walk and um, all of those bars you'll be absolutely fine in there's no real um leicester city pub there that i would say you definitely definitely not go in obviously if it was against a, a man united or a local team uh, in a huge game then then yes but with Fulham, absolutely no. You'd be absolutely fine. I wouldn't even like to pick one out. You'd be fine in most. Okay, well, obviously, it's a weird one to predict because for both teams, it's the second game in charge for their respective managers. Uh, but I'm just going to ask you, Pete, to go on a quick limb and uh, give a prediction for how you see the match going and what the final score might be. Well, I'll match the prediction of what I said on uh, the latest episode of For Fox Sake. I said 3-1 Leicester. Um, maybe, maybe even closer, maybe 3-2. I think plenty of goals, plenty of excitement. Um, and, and my approach, I mentioned about how Fulham should really take it to uh, Leicester, how, how they should play. Um, I think you've got to go for it. You've got to get three points. The draw's not good enough. You need to get a couple of wins, and you never know what could happen. We were rock bottom, miles clear under Nigel Pearson, but we were playing compared to Fulham, unfortunately. We were... Uh, losing 2-0, 1-0, 2-1. Um, we, were, we were in games all the time and it just clicked um, after Christmas and, and we managed to get out from an unbelievably uh, terrible position. So it's not over, but you do need wins. So I would go for it. And I can just see Leicester just having slightly 
um, too much and uh, possibly uh, possibly getting a three-one victory with uh, catching Fulham maybe late on if Fulham uh, if it's a draw and you're going for those three points. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Guy Barlow. Hello. Tom Betts. Hello, hello. Andrew Heatley. Hello. So that is all for Fulhamish Extra this week. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. Hope it's been a decent preview to the Leicester game uh, that is coming up this Saturday uh, before two very, very difficult tests against Liverpool and Man City. Cannot wait for those. Um, so yeah thank you very much for listening today Uh, Fulhamish will return on Monday when we'll look back at that Leicester game Uh, we'll see how Scotty Parker gets on in his second game in charge so uh, thank you very much for listening and uh, have a good weekend Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hey, it's Maria Hinojosa here. And Julio Ricardo Varela. We are the co-hosts of the Roundtable podcast, In the Thick, where we talk about politics, race, and culture from a people of color perspective. That's right. Every Tuesday and Friday, we bring you the latest political news, covering the stories and issues that matter to communities of color with amazing POC journalists, activists, and academics from all over the country. So you're not going to want to miss our coverage because we have a lot of fun. We do. Which means that on election night, November 3rd, we are going to be hosting a live virtual show to give you the much needed POC perspective on this crucial night in our country. Follow us on social media at In The Thick Show to make sure you don't miss the updates and this live analysis. Subscribe to In The Thick wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, A-cast. 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 recommends.